You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine at University of Illinois Chicago, Dr. Jay Goldstein. Colonoscopy is a common procedure done by many gastroenterologists. The quality of that procedure really depends on how well you visualize the mucosa, which is equivalent to how well the patient is prepped. We all recognize that preparation for colonoscopy is a major function of a good study. Today we're going to be talking about preparation for colonoscopy, and joining me today to discuss this issue is Associate Professor in Medicine at Harvard Medical School, Dr. Helen Shields. Dr. Shields, welcome to Reach MD. Well, to get started, why don't you tell the audience who you are and uh, what you do? I'm Helen Shields, an associate professor, as Dr. Goldstein mentioned, at the Harvard Medical School and at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts. And I am a clinical gastroenterologist who sees patients with various problems, including colon polyps and colon cancer, and I also happen to be the chairman of the Colorectal Cancer Advisory Committee at Harvard University's Risk Management Foundation, a foundation that is devoted to trying to minimize the risk to patients and to physicians from procedures, medications, diagnostic, and therapeutic efforts that physicians make. Well, that's a very timely topic as we look at both efficacy and safety in the same sentence, so to speak, when we talk about doing procedures or taking care of patients. Well, I couldn't think of anybody more qualified to join us today to talk about colonoscopy preps. I read the literature, you read the literature, our listeners are well-versed in many of the issues surrounding colonoscopy preps. Can you encapsulate for us just a few of the major issues that are before the general public right now? Yes. I'm happy, Dr. Goldstein, to say that the big issue is prep quality versus ease of use, and that's really what we're going to be focusing on during the interview is there's many, many studies that have done head-to-head comparisons between the various preparations for colonoscopy that are out on the market, particularly the ones that have had more than 20 studies, which I have in front of me from the literature in a table comparing efficacy, have focused primarily in the last 10 years on the efficacy of the polyethylene glycol preparation, which is generally a four-liter preparation that patients should drink, versus the much smaller volume phosphosoda preparations. And there are several companies that put out both types of preparation for patients. And more than 20 studies, which I have listed in front of me, have compared them. And there have been several studies noting that the fleets preparation is superior to the polyethylene glycol preparation. And those would be a approximately eight or nine. The others did not show any significant difference out of the over 20 studies. So there's, it's a mixed bag of statistics, but there were some that clearly showed an improvement in the Fleet's phosphosoda 
compared to the polyethylene glycol. And similarly, ease of use, there were a number of studies more actually showing that the fleece phosphate of soda was perceived by patients. And that's about 10 studies that showed that it was easier to use. And that has been one of the reasons why over the last 10 to 15 years, the fleece phosphate of soda has soared in popularity. There are other preparations out there, including magnesium citrate, which is an old standby or citrate of magnesia. And there's Dulcolax tablets, which are usually used in conjunction with another type of preparation, either the phosphate of soda or the occasionally the magnesium citrate. But those are probably the four. And then there's milk of magnesia, which isn't used very often in the general population as the only preparation. What are some of the issues that are at the forefront in the safety for patients in preparation? The big issue that's come to the fore since 2005 when Glenn Markowitz at Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons published his landmark article noting that out of thousands of biopsies that he had evaluated for renal failure, he noted that, and let me just get you the exact number, it was 7,349 renal biopsies that were processed from 2000 to 2004. They noted this unusual number, 31 cases of nephrocalcinosis, which basically means calcium deposition in the tubules to the point where the person developed renal failure. And out of those 31 patients, the big shocker was that 21 of them had had a recent colonoscopy and the bowel cleanser was either oral sodium phosphate or Visicol, which is instead of a liquid solution of sodium phosphate, is a similar amount, 60 grams of sodium phosphate in a tablet form. And they coined the term at that point in 2005 in the Journal of the American Society of Nephrology of Acute Phosphate Nephropathy. Well, now that we have an idea of what the toxicity is, nephrotoxicity, who is at risk, who is at higher risk, and what can be done for that? Yes. So this has been fine-tuned over the last couple of years, and the list keeps growing, which is one of the issues for the sodium phosphate preparations. Initially, when Glenn Markowitz noted his 21 cases, 81% of them were women, and the mean age was 64. So being over 60 was a risk factor, which is the majority of our patients going for colonoscopy. And then being a woman has appeared to be a risk factor. So women over 60 have, in all the studies so far that have reported renal toxicity, have noted a predominance of women. Then it was noted that diabetics were at risk. Patients who were on ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers, patients who were on diuretics, patients who had a history of hypertension and were on any of these things were at risk. Patients who were definitely elderly in their 70s were at risk. So the longer the list, the fewer the patients that one then begins to think this may be a very simple purgative. Instead, it becomes very complex to know all these factors about our patients because many patients now are sent to for the colonoscopy without having a pre 
creatinine, for instance, a pre-colonoscopy creatinine or pre-colonoscopy GFR, glomerular filtration rate. And so the medications, the fact that they're on an ACE inhibitor, which needs to be stopped several days ahead of time if they are on that, or a diuretic in order to minimize dehydration and also the tendency for the ACE inhibitors to promote the nephrotoxicity, these things are frequently not entirely known to the colonoscopist. They should be perhaps known, but many times from the literature that I've read, patients had the PrEP and it was not recognized that they were a diabetic or on an ACE inhibitor. And then you get into the whole issue of that women over 60 seem to have a risk, which is a lot of patients if you take that as a risk factor. Well, the fact that we're talking about it on the air and our listeners are hearing this, what can we tell them? Are these risk factors absolute risk factors, relative risk factors? Should we not be using these types of PrEPs, the phosphate PrEPs in people over the age of 60 or in all women or where do we go? Right. The Food and Drug Administration, and that's an excellent question which has been wrestled with. The Food and Drug Administration in 2006 came out with the summary recommendation that people were at increased risk, including anyone with decreased intravascular volume. And that's an issue that the phosphate preps have been in head-to-head studies many times with the polyethylene glycol and the loss of volume is significantly higher. In other words, the fluid losses because of the osmotic PrEP, have been clocked at being significantly higher. So if the FDA is saying those with decreased intravascular volume are at higher risk, that is unfortunately part of the preparation of an osmotic PrEP. Anyone with kidney disease, they mentioned anyone taking diuretics, ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Again, if you add the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs in, that's a lot of our older patients who have arthritis and are on those medications on a daily basis. It almost sounds like my uh, entire patient population. Me too. And so that's what the FDA recommended, that those patients should not be given the oral phosphate solutions, nor the Visicol prep. And it also recommended that after that, actually, the fleet's company took away about six months later they took away their AccuPrep, which was the PrEP that was giving patients the 90 ml of the Fleet's phosphate of soda in two divided doses. So they took that off the market. They left their regular Fleet's phosphate of soda PrEP on the market with the instructions to be careful to take no more than 45 ml twice. Some patients had apparently mistaken the dosage. So the AccuPrep came off the market and Visicol I looked it up on its website. It is very heavily marked for possible renal toxicity. Well, I urge our listenership to go to the website at aga.org and review this material in greater depth and gastro.org, G-A-S-T-R-O dot org. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Helen Shields, for joining us today from Harvard Medical School and speaking to us regarding preparation for colonoscopy, the risks and benefits. Thank you very much, Helen. Thanks, Jay, very much. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, 
visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.